everyone. Welcome to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We invite you to join our mission to love like Jesus, and you can connect with us on social media or visit our website, csvineyard.org. All right, we'll jump right into announcements, and then I'll tell you who I am. Um, two things, two announcements. So we have Good Friday service on Friday, obviously. Um, it's going to be 7 p.m. It is online only, so please do not show up at the door. You will not be let in. Um, and so it's 7 p.m. Just remember, 7 p.m., online only. And then second announcement, we have an Easter Sunday service. And Easter Sunday service is going to be Easter Sunday. And we have two services. We have one at 10 a.m. That's going to be online and indoors. So you do have to register. So if you haven't registered, if you'd like to wake up early, not necessarily me, um, but if you please make sure you register because we do need to make sure everybody's within, you know, the building's occupied within capacity. So 10 a.m. at here indoors. We do have 11.30 service, so for those of you who cannot wait to go outdoors, which is like my wife and I, we love to go outdoors and have outdoor service, it's going to be 11.30. Right now, it's said to be, you know, weather is favorable, that it's going to be 11.30 outside, but if you do show up and it's raining, we will have it indoors. So, two service, 10.30, indoors, online, second service, 11.30, and it's going to be outdoors unless it rains and the weather is not favorable, then it will be indoors. Okay, that's the announcement. Hope that was easy. All right, so my name is Austin Chalapandi. I've been uh, going to Vineyard for, I think, coming up on 14 years, actually. Um, I have a beautiful wife and an eight-month-old daughter, Nina. My wife's name is Vinny, and uh, we live four minutes from church. We probably are, I, I like to tell Amos I live the closest to church, so if there's something happening, he should probably call me. But anyway, um, you know, uh, so I was born and raised in India until I was 21, and then I moved here when I uh, went to college, and I've been working here ever since. Um, and, uh, and, and uh, you know, speaking of Palm Sunday, which is today's topic, one of the first things that kind of comes to my mind is what I used to do as a teenager. Um, I used to be part of a church choir, and we would, we would have this thing where I, I, w- I used to be as a choir. It was sort of like a, you can imagine an Anglican church where it used to be the church pastor who would wear, who would wear a cassock, right, um, who would be like preaching. And then we would have a choir. I was part of the choir. And uh, all the entire choir team would also wear a cassock. So you can imagine, you know. And... Uh, Growing up as a teenager, you know, one of the things we would do on a Palm Sunday is I used to bear the cross in the choir. So like, you know, typical Anglican church, right, the Church of England, and, you know, you can imagine, you can see the movies, right? We would, we would actually go on a procession around the church in public road. So we would have a permit, and we would actually go on a procession on a public church, and we would have palm leaves. And we would have palm leaves, like, made into crosses, and just like, you know, just palm leaves as they are, and we would carry them and walk around the church as, as a... Um, as a procession, reminding of what Jesus did on Palm Sunday, which is, you know, his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. So we're going to talk about Palm Sunday today, and we're going we're gonna to talk about some scriptures and talk about the audience that were in the crowd as Jesus entered Palm Sunday and how 
the kingdom of God and the kingdom of man was orchestrated in that week, beginning in Palm Sunday. I, I know kingdom of God is always at work, but I think it, it's, a, it's a cosmic event. You know, we always like to think cosmic events are only like stars and, you know, earthly, you know, heavenly bodies, but a cosmic event, like events that beyond the realm of our imagination is happening and coming to fold, and it's actually set in motion by a very specific event called the Palm Sunday. So, you know, it's often referred to as, as the triumphant return of Jesus into Jerusalem. But is this Jesus' first journey? No, it's not. Jesus has actually come to Jerusalem before. In fact, I think some accounts go as far as saying Jesus has been to Jerusalem probably about three to four times before this entry. So this entry is a little different because he's now coming in proclaimed as a king, which is also interesting because Jesus never lets anybody call him a king. Like he actually hushes his disciples when they try to call him as a king. But then this time he decided to let them call, call him as a king. So Jesus enters Jerusalem. So imagine this with me, right? Like visualize, you know, put your creative hat on, visualize this. Jesus, you know, the Christ, the Messiah, he knows exactly what's going to happen. I'm pretty sure he's gonna, he knows what's going to happen. He knows he's going to come in. He's no, he knows he's going to be handed over to the Roman guards. He already said that to his disciples. And he is going to get crucified. He's probably a very unpleasant experience, but he already knows. And imagine Jesus being truly God and truly human. If, if, I were, if, if I were God, I don't know what I would be thinking at that moment. But if, as a human, I can think about, you know, if I'm going to get crucified in five days from now, I don't even want to think about it. I don't want to think about the torture I'm going to go through. I don't want to think about the pain that I'm going through. Yet God portrays himself like Christ in his full body. He's coming into to be crucified. So let's talk about what this journey looks like. So let's go to, in our Bibles, Luke chapter 19, verses 28. We're going to kind of split this passage into a few parts, and we're going to look through this. So the scripture starts out saying, He went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives. He sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? Say, The Lord needs it. So, it's interesting. So God knows what's going to happen, right? Like he almost knows for a fact that he, need, he, needs, a, he needs a donkey. Like he, he needs a donkey. And they're, they're symbolic. And we'll talk about why he needs a donkey versus a horse. Um, and he says, this is what's going to happen, guys. You're going to go down to, you know, this, this Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem. And if you see in the map up there, from, from going up from Bethany, Bethpage to uh, Jerusalem, it's give or take about two miles. And back in the day, you know, climbing up a hill and dying... Down, if you look at the topography, it's, it's a very hilly climb. It's actually not going to be easy. And, you know, you don't, you don't wear, like, nice Asics shoes or, like, Nikes to, like, sprint up there and down. It's not that easy. And I'm sure there was no asphalt on the road. So you can imagine Jesus as he's coming down, you know, towards Jerusalem. And, let's, and we'll talk about that because I think what he's doing when he's coming down to Jerusalem is a very pivotal moment. That's the Passover. Passover is about to begin in Jerusalem. Passover is very symbolic to the Jews. Passover is a reminder, a sober reminder, right? And, but it, yet a victorious reminder. The so, so, sobriety in that is they were in slavery. They were getting free from slaves. They're, they're coming from the Egyptian slavery. And the victory in that is God has set them free. 
So that is why they went year in and year out to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. And that's a, that's a week-long event. And Passover was just not like once and done. So as you can look in the map, you know, Jesus, Jesus says, like, guys, let's go down. Let's go down and get me, a, get me a donkey. I need a donkey. All right, Jesus, you need a donkey? You get a donkey, right? So these guys are going down. Obviously, you know, you walk into Jerusalem, you just grab a couple of donkeys. Somebody's going to ask you, what are you doing, right? And, and, and put some of that in context. And w- Jerusalem was packed. Passover is like everybody and their mother is like coming to town. It's like everybody's just packing the town. And this is when Airbnb did not exist, right? So people just like sat down, pitched the tent, and lived wherever they could. So like you can imagine in the map too, like they probably like lived right around those valleys, right? Valleys, like you can think about, it's probably very productive. Um, if you're like very close to it, probably like people like even living outside the valleys. So some historians actually say, um, and, I, and Josephus actually talks about it. I, that's, that's a historian that I like to kind of read every time I want to get some more historic context. Some measures say there were up to 2 million people in Jerusalem when this event was happening. That explains a lot of what Scripture says. Scripture about why there was a big uproar, why the, the city was in turmoil when Jesus walked in. Almost not turmoil, but like the city wasn't in uproar. And so here he is, Jesus coming into the city, so I'm, I'm hoping you guys are kind of like visualizing this. Jesus is sending the, the disciples over. They picked up the donkey. Somebody said, you know, what happened? To, why are you taking the donkey? So let's look at that in scripture. Next, next slide, I think, verse 32. Um, it says, those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. Right? Well, he's Jesus. He knows where donkeys are. Right? So, so he, he, he said it. The guys went down. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and they put Jesus on it, right? And he went along, people's, and as he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. Let's go to the next slide, and just, I'm just going to let that imagery sink in a little bit. What's interesting about that is the colt, is a very tiny animal. It's very tiny. I, I, my, my imaginary head says it's probably like yay tall, right? Give or take. Probably not more than that. It, it's a one-year cold, one-year-old cold. Like the scripture, there are some references where it says a donkey that's a year old never had anybody on it. So it's very young, probably still nursing from the mother, probably not going too far, probably needs to be led in some fashion so that it doesn't get lost. So the donkey, um, the donkey and the colt are being brought over, and Jesus is now sitting on the donkey, right? And Jesus is actually now getting ready to parade down on the donkey. So what donkey symbolizes is actually peace. So back in the day when you were a king, right, if you were a king and you want to go to war, you actually come on a horse to fight. It, it symbolizes, like, if, if I'm, like, seeing somebody coming down with an army and I see somebody in a, in a horse, that is war. I get my swords and shields out. But if I see them coming down on a donkey, that means peace. Jesus is coming towards Jerusalem in peace. It's very symbolic. Jesus is saying, listen, I'm the king, but I'm not coming here to war. Although, I would imagine if Jesus wanted to, he could drop a legion of angels and just, like, nuke Jerusalem. But he, didn't, he decided not to do that. As much as he's upset with Jerusalem, which we'll talk about in the later scripture... He doesn't want to just destroy Jerusalem. He comes to save Jerusalem. Okay, so 
So Jesus comes on a donkey, you know, donkey is now like walking towards the city. What this visualizes is the Passover lamb, which in this case is Jesus, is getting prepared for the Passover. So it, this, is, this is where I, I, wanna, I, wanna, I want us to kind of think about, you know, put away the creative hat and put on the, put on the uh, spiritual hat and think about there's the kingdom of God and there's the kingdom of man. In the kingdom of man, back in Egypt, what happened was slavery. There was slavery that took over the Hebrews and they need to be released from slavery. And God sent a man to bring them out of slavery. And the Passover lamb set that whole event in motion. The Passover lamb started the whole exodus in motion. What Jesus is showing here is the kingdom of God coming on top of that. It's a perfect imagery of God saying, I am the Passover lamb. I am coming into Jerusalem at the beginning of the Passover week, the week of cleansing. I am coming in as a Passover lamb, but I am coming in peace. Back then, if you think about what happened in Egypt, when they left Egypt, they were leaving in cry. Like there was sorrow in Egypt. There was the firstborn of Pharaoh to the servant. Everybody's dead. There's cry. There's sorrow. There's slavery. Yet Hebrews are leaving in triumph. The same way, you know, I, I almost look at that and say, like, as, as, as we live in the kingdom of man and in our physical embodiment, we often live in sorrow. We live in pain. We live in the slavery of sin, right? And here he is, the kingdom of God that's getting overlaid on the kingdom of man. And the kingdom of God is redeeming us from the slavery of sin. And it is setting in motion the crucifixion of the Passover lamb. That's where the triumph is beginning. And it, as much as it says that Jesus comes in triumph, it is the beginning of the triumph rather than the end of the triumph. It has to be that seven-day event that, that has to happen for the crucifixion to happen and the Passover lamb to be, you know, crucified so that the redemption comes into place. Okay, let's move to the next. Um, so we can go to the next scripture. So in 37, Luke um, 37, we can talk about, the, it says, when he came near the place where the road goes, goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Then they said, uh, these are the disciples, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. So let's pause there for a second. It, it matters who said that. It matters the disciples said that. And here's why. The disciples understood the kingdom of God and the kingdom of man. I wouldn't take it for granted the Pharisees and the Sadducees understood that they knew what kingdom of God and kingdom of man is. In fact, they thought that the Messiah hasn't even come yet. I wouldn't think all of the public who are not necessarily followers of Jesus understood the kingdom of God and kingdom of man. So it, the, the, the trigger happened from the disciples. The disciples said, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. To me, it's almost like an intervention into our life. Jesus is coming in as as the king from the Lord, and he brings the peace of heaven into us. And, and it's interesting, you know, the crowd is not very happy about that, especially the Pharisees and the Sadducees. You know, these guys are like sitting in the temple. They know the Torah backwards and forwards. And they're pretty pissed about it. And they go on to say, 
some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Tell us you didn't get it. You really didn't get it. The disciples, what they spoke is the truth, that he is the king of heaven. You didn't understand that what they were saying. Jesus, you can see, he's a, little, he's a little frustrated about it. He goes on to say, I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. In, in the true um, um, Greek word, it actually says the millstones. Millstones are heavy, right? Back in the day, I'm sure it was super heavy. It says the millstones will cry out. It's like, it's almost like, I don't think God could have more obviously said, you guys are like rocks. You guys are like idiots, right? Like, seriously, you don't get it? Like, they're telling the truth. You still haven't learned. You've read it, you've read it and, you, we, and I'm sure we all know that the Pharisees and Sadducees knew the Torah, right? The first five books of the Bible, backwards and forwards, they knew it. Yet, they didn't understand what was happening in front of their eyes. The king of heaven in peace is coming down, and they had no clue. Um, and so, as these events are, like, unraveling, right? The kingdom of God, Jesus representing the kingdom of God coming into um, the world, and then the kingdom of man, which is Jerusalem, that is where it's all happening. You can, you can imagine, you know, two million people, right, flocking into Jerusalem, and the way the, the Passover happened back in the day in Jerusalem is you had a lamb, right, or sheep. You brought the sheep with you, and it has to be that at least 10 people had to have a sheep so that there's nothing left behind in the sheep. That was part of the requirement. So, and they had literally like two hours. Like some, some accounts say two hours or four hours. So everybody has between like two to four hours to like go into the temple, offer the sacrifice, and then come out. That's just how the events unfolded. So imagine two million people, right? Every 10 person has a sheep that they're going to have. And the chaos around Jerusalem that doesn't have Airbnb and Jesus is walking in. That is the kingdom of God coming in, in, in chaos, in lack of peace, and the Roman soldiers all around it. And, and right as this is happening, um, I want to think about the three kind of different people that are kind of observing this, right? And I want to, as, I'm, as we're kind of walking through these three people, I want you to see where you are in your journey in your life, because I think that matters. Um, and, and it's just three very quick, and we'll, we'll, we'll move to the next. So visualize two million people, Jesus on a donkey, everybody's coming in, there are Roman guards, there are regular people, there are disciples, there's Pharisees and Sadducees, Jesus walking in unpaved street, no shoes on, you know, he probably didn't take a shower for a long time, and so did the disciples, they're all fishermen, probably smell like fish, right? And so they're all walking into Jerusalem. And all the people are observing what's happening. So I think there are probably three different kinds of people. I'm sure there are other kinds of people, but for the sake of, you know, I, I would like you to remind this as we are kind of thinking about this during the week, that I think there are three different kinds of people. One is the disciples. The disciples of Jesus Christ himself, who are the 12, and those who are in the crowd who knew Jesus. And these are like people who knew God for who he is, who knew that Jesus is not coming to Jerusalem to take it by force. Let me explain why that matters. Because back in the day, Jerusalem was in the tyranny of Roman Empire, right? Pontius Pilate was ruling the empire, and it was not easy. I'm sure you've read a lot about the Roman Empire and the guards. It was not an easy journey. I'm sure they were all looking at Jesus and saying, like, 
Oh, maybe like Jesus could save the day. So, but the disciples knew who Jesus was because Jesus had told the disciples, I'm going to get crucified at the cross. I'm coming here to die. They were not happy to hear it, but they knew Jesus is coming to die, but not, not necessarily to bring down uh, legions of angels to like destroy Jerusalem. So as you're kind of thinking about this, you know, think about who do you think Jesus is in your life? Do you see Jesus as the God who is bringing the kingdom of heaven? Do you see him as a God who brings peace? And, and the God who is probably not going to bring peace in the human terms today. As you can see, war and everything else happening around us and disease ravaging the world. That's not the Jesus the disciple understood that he is. In fact, that I think is a true Jesus from the kingdom of God perspective. Some of us are in a journey where we're looking at Jesus and say, like, I have a perception of Jesus and I want him to do this. So let's talk about that next. Um, the earthly hopeful, you know, I, English is not my first language. I'll, 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 plead the, I'll plead my ignorance on the words here. But what I'm trying to say when earthly hopefuls is, it's actually nothing wrong to be hopeful about something. It's actually very good to be hopeful. In fact, a lot of us, hope is what keeps us alive every day. The earthly hopefuls are thinking, you know, when you say the word Hosanna, Hosanna actually means save us. It literally means save us. When people are like cutting down these palm branches and throwing it in front of Jesus and throwing the cloak and the donkeys like riding on top of it, you know, they're actually expecting save us. Like, dude, save us. Come on, like do something, right? We need, we need redemption. We need salvation. Like we need, not salvation. We need like a person who save us from this tyranny, from the Roman Empire. So we need to be saved from someone. That's these people. So they need immediate gratification in a sense, right? They're earthly hopeful. They are hoping that Jesus will take away all their, you know, the poverty. They would just remove the tyranny. He would just fix it all up. And you know why? They had a very good reason to think that. Because just before this happened, the miracle of Lazarus had happened. Just before this. Literally, if you read through the chronology of events, it actually, like, right before... Jesus is coming from Bethany and Bethphage, and, and, you know, right around there is where Lazarus was resurrected. So it is very true, and it's very reasonable for them to believe Jesus, if he can resurrect people from the death, he can actually save us from the tyranny of the Roman Empire. It's actually not wrong to be the earthly hopeful, but imagine what happens to them a week from today, right? It's a very different paradigm shift in their thinking a week from today. Let's go to the next one, the third kind of people. So we talked about the disciples. We talked about the uh, earthly hopeful. Uh, if you have a better word for that, I'll take it. Um, the religious leaders, the religious leaders, they follow the law to the T. That's what they do. They don't know anything else better. They follow the law to the T. They know the Torah. They know how to speak backwards and forwards, right? They are the ones who were indignant, toward, indignant towards Jesus when he came into the church at the temple and picked up the Bible and said, it read Isaiah and said, today this prophecy is fulfilled. They were indignant towards him. These are the guys. They knew the law, yet they were so blinded. Sometimes we know the love of God, but yet we want to see a miracle. Yet we, we sometimes get so blinded that the, the message of God doesn't make it from, you know, the head to the heart. The 12 inches, it's often the longest journey. The 12 inches from the head to the heart is the longest journey. And I, I think I'm almost safe to say the Pharisees and the Sadducees, as much as they had it in their head, it never made it to their heart. 
which is very sad. It's actually very sad. I think of these three groups of people, I think these are the most disappointed when Jesus are crucified. One, they didn't believe he's a Messiah, so they didn't even see what the Messiah is for who he is. And the second, when he's crucified, they actually come out victorious. They actually are. Believe it or not, the, the, the Pharisees and Sadducees are the most victorious. So here is Jesus, you know, coming in as a king, and, and um, there is, I think, one more scripture. I might have missed through that. Is there one more slide? Um, it, it, the Bible talks about how, you know, Jerusalem, how blind you are to me coming to you, right? Um, and is that, do I have it? Yeah, there it is. Um, and it says in 41, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day that what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. Are we those people? Are we the ones where the truth is hidden from? I think it's fair um, for all of us to think that to be in one of those positions, right, could be the disciples, right? If we are to think about what happened to all of them, um, Seven days from now, or five days from now, you know, the, the disciples knew exactly what's going to happen, but they were scattered. They were with him. They promised that God will die with you, but then it happens. They flee, right? They were afraid for their life. Sometimes when we are met with a challenge, we want to just scuttle. We just don't want to be there. We don't want to deal with faith. We don't want to deal with, you know, who the person of Christ is. We just want to run. These are the guys who had it right when Jesus came in during Palm Sunday. And, and they're going to be the ones that are actually going to be right and saved when Jesus comes with this kingdom of God. Which, by the way, which is interesting, Jesus does come in, in a horse, but it comes in the second coming, right? Revelation starts with here, it comes the king in a horse, which is interesting. The first time he comes into Jerusalem, right, he actually comes in peace. Jerusalem didn't see it. The second time, boys, I'm coming with a sword. Be ready for it, right? It's happening. But then if you think about it, the, the whole, the disciples had it right, but they scatter. As they go through and stick with him, when it happens in Gethsemane, they actually scatter, gone. The earthly hopefuls, five days from now, they're disappointed, right? Because they thought, man, this guy's going to come down, drop an army. They're going to just blow, nuke all these Romans, and, you know, we're all going to be free. There's going to be no slavery what a disappointment. Here he is hanging on a cross five days from now. Such a disappointment, right? But they didn't get it. Sometimes we often think like, you know, Jesus is going to come down and he's going to do a miracle. And it's rightfully so, rightfully so. They, these guys, the Bible says like in some other scriptures, and I don't want to get into all the details, but it actually says because they saw Lazarus resurrect, some of these people that came into the village, because they saw Lazarus resurrect, they actually hoped that Jesus will come with an army and save them. And then there is a Pharisees and Sadducees. They're actually probably in day five. They're like, boys, we got this down. Jesus is on the cross. We're ready. We're good. We're set. We're set. It's all our kingdom back again. Like this guy who we thought was a lunatic, who is just claiming to be Jesus, he's gone. But fellas, like it's all us now. It's our kingdom now. But then here he is. He's lying on the cross, dead, right? They might be victorious for now, right? But at the same time, we know what the truth is that they had it wrong from day one. Sometimes we have a perception of God, which is, we might be wrong. We might be thinking that, you know, 
by getting our way that, that we are right and we are victorious, but it's not sure. Jesus has a final say. No matter how much word we think, how much we plan our routes, Jesus has a final word in all of that. And, and with that, I want to say probably a couple of more things and then close here. Um, I want to point to one more scripture um, in Zechariah 9.9. It talks about the, the coming of Jesus foretold, right? Zechariah, minor prophet, long time before Jesus actually coming to earth, he talks about this. He says, Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is righteous, endowed with salvation. I think that's key, endowed with salvation. Humble and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Which is very interesting. I'm sure when that donkey walked into the city, it was probably confused. Why is there so much attention? The colt was probably scared, yet it followed the mother. It's almost like Jesus is figuratively showing to the world, I am actually not on the donkey, guys. I'm on the colt. I know there's some disagreement in theologians, like, was there two donkeys or one? But let's just take for our visual, there are two, the mother and the, and the colt. Jesus is visually saying, I'm actually not the one driving this trip. It's my father. Imagine, if you were to imagine, visualize, the father is on the donkey and Jesus is on the colt. The colt is following the donkey. It's God visualizing, it's not mine. I, I Jesus, you're truly Jesus, who came to this earth to redeem you, I'm not following my plans. I'm actually following Jesus' plans. And I think that's very telling of the cosmic events that are in play and the forces, I think, even beyond Jesus that are actually working at this moment. Um, and I want to quote a story from Augustine, one of my um, favorite authors um, from, I don't know what century he lived, I forget. Um, I like his readings. His books are very good. He tells about a story, and I think where the story comes in is, who do we need right now? Who do we read right now? The story goes, the story is told that in the days of the Roman Empire, a certain wealthy senator became estranged from his son. When he died unexpectedly, his will was opened. It said, because my son does not appreciate what I've done, I leave all of my worldly possessions to my loyal slave, Marcellus. It's often us. We're often the ones that probably not want to follow Jesus. We want to be the stray prodigal son, right? We don't want to always go in his plan. The will read, however, because I'm a man of grace, I bequeath to my son one of my possessions of his choosing, right? One option. That's grace, right? Take that for grace. Sorry, said the testator to the son. You can only take one of your dad's possessions. Which will it be? Son was smart. He said, I take Marcellus, said the son. He has it all. And I want to say, and, and so Augustine concludes and says, God has one son on earth without sin, Jesus, but never one without suffering. As we all suffer, right? That's just how this earthly life is in the, in the, in the kingdom of God. And sorry, in the kingdom of man until the kingdom of God is fully ruling this earth. I want to think about the one thing we really need, right? You could be the disciple. You could be the um, earthly hopeful. None of that is wrong. 
even, I'm sure all of those three would be right. If you were to put them all in a place and have them tell their kids, they would all be right. You'd be hopeful and expectant of Jesus, but Jesus at the end had his final say. And I just pray as you're going through this Holy Week that, um, um, if you want to come up, Charles, sorry. Um, as you're kind of going through the week, I want you to think about, you know, who is that and where are you in that journey? And how is God now reaching out to you and asking you trust in the Son of God? And, and I'll say a quick prayer and then, um, and then I'll give it to Tyler to lead us in worship here. Dear Lord, we thank you for this Sunday, Lord, and keeping us safe to this point. I, God, as I pray, as we go into this week of thinking about you and your sacrifice at the cross, I just pray that you would come into our lives and help us focus on you, the faith, the, the author and the finisher of our faith. I just pray that you would help us um, look to you and wait for your kingdom to become and your will to be done and let it not be our own plans. And as we go through that, Lord, a journey where it might not be easy, it might not be fun, I just pray that you will continue to be with us. Lord, let us be the ones that are riding on the colt and not on the donkey. I, we just pray that you will lead the way and we'll just follow along and give us the strength and the energy just like you gave Jesus on the cross to to take all the sin and endure the pain. I just pray that you would give us the strength and the energy to take all of that and endure the pain in this life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We hope you share this with your friends and family and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.